Hello and welcome to VChat episode number 48. I'm with Mr. Jace McCartney from VMware. Uh, he's brought his dog along for the show. Uh, hey, how you doing, Jace? He's going to be loud. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to just talk to him for just a second here. Does he know a lot about vSAN? You know, Max, what do you know about vSAN? <laughs> he knows about B-A-C-O-N. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Other, other stuff like that. Or have, have down, buddy. Have down. Okay. Yeah, he only knows about that kind of stuff, right? So, no, he's he's not really uh, adept to uh, to vSAN. Well, I'm glad that you're on the show then, because I I hear that you are. I, I know a little bit about it. I, I know a little bit about it. I've <laughs> I've, uh, I've actually been at VMware um, coming up on three years now. So, uh, like in the next month or so, it'll be three years. And I came on right about the time we were moving from. 1.0, which was rebadged as 5.5 over to 6.0. So I came on right about the time of the launch of 6.0, uh, which was a bit of a challenge for me at first, right? Because I didn't know, you know, as much about vSAN at the time. And, and I was really just kind of getting up to speed, you know, at that point, because I had come from, from EMC where it was, a, you know, a lot of VNXs and a little bit of ScaleIO and VMAXs and ExtremeIO and that kind of stuff. So a bit, bit different. Yeah, I mean, vSAN originally when it was introduced, I wasn't quite sure how how far it was going to you know go. Uh, and honestly, I've been surprised. I've been really surprised, uh, I have to say, um, at how much it's taken off, how popular it's been. Um, I, I remember a few VMworlds ago, they, they announced that there were some 5,000 vSAN customers yeah. Um, do you have any updated numbers? Have you heard any? Uh, I, I've seen some updated numbers, but I think the last ones that we may have published, and, and of course this is March, you know, uh, 2018. I think there've been some updated numbers since, but uh, I want to say around the end of end of last year, we were saying over 10,000. I know wow. it's more than that now, but just to keep myself out of trouble, you know, I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> that's the last number I remember seeing. That's you know? very and, uh, impressive. So. I mean, what are people, what's driven the popularity of vSAN, you think, Jace? Oh, wow. Well, um, I don't know. I could go really, really deep into it, you know, as far as that goes. I think, to me, the thing about vSAN that I really like the most um, is the fact that, you know, it's built in, you know, it's native within, you know, ESXi. Um, and, and really, more importantly, when it comes to that, um, you know, uh, and, and I was a customer for, for 15 years, right, before coming to, to the vendor space at EMC previously at now VMware. Been, you know, on this side of it a little bit more than seven years, right at uh, seven and a half years or so. Um, but when I worked at my last customer job, if you will, um, there were two people who did storage that, that worked in my organization. That was, that was my boss. That was me, which meant... It was me, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. We had, we had a little bit of NFS. We had some iSCSI. We had some fiber channel. And, and I mean, it was literally every time anything that needed, you know, needed to happen, I had to be the one to do it. Uh, you know, my, my boss was a VP at, at the point when I was about to leave. And, and uh, uh, I was kind of in a lead architect role. And, and you know, I'd get a call at, at you know, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm... I'm packing my stuff up because I would always come in at seven to do a seven to four and, and like three forty-five. Hey, Jace, for, for effort or for effect here, right? Hey, Jace, <laughs> we need, a, we need, um, we need a couple uh, LUNs or a couple, you know, mount points added. 
and we need you to do it because we've got a, a maintenance window tonight, you know, and we're deploying this new application or whatever. And then I would have to go in and either stay or I would have to go home and come back or go home and remote in or something. In the meantime, I'd have to do a little bit of work, try to plan where I'm going to put things and do I need to do any shifting and all that other kind of stuff. And then, you know, by, by 2 a.m., um, it's like, guys, look, you know, it's, it's late. It's 2. I, I got to get out of here. I got a soccer game at 8 o'clock in the morning, you know, and uh, at 8.05, at the soccer game with the dew around me and a <laughs> jetpack and my laptop. I'm remoted in trying to fix it. I'm trying to see the sun's coming over the side of the field, you know, and, and I'm on the phone and I can't enjoy my kid, you know, uh, playing soccer. Right. And yeah. it kind of where I'm going with this is, is to me that one of the great things about vSAN is, is it's, it's, it's easy to use. It's all built in. Um, I mean, there are some things that you need to consider and be familiar with when it comes to to managing it. And, um, you know, it's kind of a different paradigm from the the normal thought process of a virtualization admin where, you know, it's kind of like the, the application teams. VMs are free, right? I mean, we've heard that for years, right? VMs are free. Well, from a virtualization admin perspective, quite often in the past, storage was free, right? Right, yeah. Um, and kind of where, to me, it... it, it because it's all built in and it's easy and the fact that it's all policy based and I don't have to worry about uh, LUNs, you know, as an example, uh, you know, uh, we've got a, a, a podcast that we do or a couple of the guys on the team do. And, and when it starts off, you hear uh, somewhere in the intro music, it says LUNs suck. <laughs> LUNs are, that could be a pain in the tail, you know, as far as that goes. And, and, just the, the whole process of, of being able to consume storage and then change storage up. You know, if, if, if you think about it, every time I add a, 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 um, a host to a, to a storage array or every time I add a new storage array to a set of hosts, mm-hmm. I've got to, you know, make sure they're all mounted right. I've got to make sure that I've got, you know, all the networking in place. Um, if I'm using iSCSI or Fiber Channel, I've got to make sure that I've got things zoned right. I've got my initiator set up and all that. That's a lot of moving parts. Whereas yeah. with vSAN, you know, it's literally just whether I've got a node that's got storage on it or I've got a node that doesn't have storage on it that's just consuming that. Um, I, uh, I just have to make sure that I've got, you know, one additional network, you know, interface in place. You know, I say interface, a VM kernel interface. Right. We're going to, you know, make sure that's redundant. But it's all easy. And that, I think that's one of, the, one of the reasons why it's been, um, you know, easy to... Um, to adopt and, and, you know, plus we've got a lot of use cases that works well with, uh, you know, some customers will say, Oh, you know, I want my big iron. I want my big array or I want this, that, or the other. And we found that a lot of those customers really like vSAN, at least for starters in, you know, management console or management, you know, cluster. I mean, yeah. how many times have you heard of anybody going and manage storage and then the virtual, you know, the virtual desktop they're, they're using to manage that storage resides on that storage. And then they do <laughs> lose their admin desktop so we see that as a as a good uh, you know opportunity for just small deployments but i mean we've yeah got as well yeah i mean to me vsan just makes logical sense i mean my my story was i was an it manager at a medium-sized company where we had some very large mini computers with thousands of users on them and we put in vmware and we thought you know esx3 at the time was just the most incredible thing in the world but then we realized, oh, we need some shared storage to take advantage of these high availability and DRS, these types of features. 
And then suddenly we had to go down this very long, expensive journey we didn't want to be on because we didn't have a SAN. We ended up buying a $75,000 IBM SAN, sending an admin to a week-long class to get certified on how to administer it. And, you know, it was just all, we didn't need that to begin with. We just wanted to do vSphere. And so now things have kind of come back full circle where, hey, I don't need any of that stuff. I can just do vSphere on the, you know, the two or three hosts that I have with vSAN uh, mm-hmm. providing the shared storage. So, Well, it goes even further than that if you think about it, right? So um, you know, th- think about, about that IBM SAN that you had you know, at the time. And, and I've worked with IBM, um, HP, Dell, uh, Equalogic before it was, or early Dell, you know, that type of thing. I haven't worked with Compellent or a couple others. Uh, you know, EMC, NetApp, and whatnot. And let's say I'm in my three or five year cycle, however long I decide to make that storage last, right? Um, what if from a business perspective, it's significantly cheaper to go with a, a completely different type of rate, right? Let's say I'm all in for NetApp, kind of like I was in, in 2009 timeframe, and I, you know, I was using it, I was enjoying it, it was, you know, it was fine, it was easy to manage, that kind of thing. And then we got a killer deal on you know, some EMC gear. So then I had to dive right in and do EMC. Well, I, I kind of got a gap at that point where I've got to, to change, you know, from from how I managed and administered over to a completely different platform, right? You know, and people have become accustomed to vSphere, you know, as a hypervisor of choice, and they don't really have to relearn anything there, right? That's a great thing about vSAN is, is today I can let's say start with with um, you know, let's say I, I go and get some ready nodes, whether they're, you know, Supermicro, Dell, Fujitsu, whoever. And then in three years, let's say I've leased those and I decide I want to move over to, you know, HPE or I want to move to Lenovo or whatever, then I can easily add a new server, decommission a server, add a new server, decommission a server, and I've still got the same environment that I don't really have to manage any differently. So it's, to me, that's one of the great aspects as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great point. And I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and bash NAS and SAN vendors. Um, they have some great, you know, use cases. Um, but for people who just want vSphere, they want a, a simple cluster and, and not that vSAN can't scale either. But, you know, in my situation, for my personal story, it would have just made sense to, hey, we've got three hosts. We want to make a, a vSphere cluster to check the box and enable vSAN and use some local disk. That would have made life far easier. So, I mean, what do you see people using vSAN for today? Um, these 10,000 plus customers. <laughs> everything, everything. Uh, I think, you know, if you think about, the, if you look at our story from a VMware perspective and, and Sabu, you know, specifically, we initially talked about vSAN really kind of a, from a conservative perspective. And we try to do that even today. Um, you know, we don't try to oversell. We try to make sure that we're, you know, the right use case that took thing. But initially we said tier two, test dev, VDI, you know, those kind of things. And now we see customers running, uh, you know, we've got retail customers that have thousands and thousands of stores with two node and three node vSAN because it's, it's cost effective. It's, it's uh, easy to manage, easy to, from a cookie cutter perspective, keep everything the same. Um, we've seen, uh, large cloud environments. Some of these I can't, obviously I can't talk about, you know, as far as that goes, but where we're seeing massive, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Massive web-based applications that you may or may not see on your smartphone, you know, that you <laughs> use every day. Uh, 
today, you know, that are backed by multiple vSAN clusters, you know, that type of thing. Um, another, uh, I remember talking with a customer, I was out with, with one of our field guys a while back, and uh, I was talking with a, a, a company that was experiencing a lot of growth, right? They were buying a lot of companies and that type of thing. And uh, they, they were interested in vSAN because they wanted to go in, let's say, purchase a smaller company, have local resources on site that were new, that they could migrate everything to their hardware from the existing uh, hardware that was there. And then they wanted to be able to bring that back and reclaim it. And I asked them what they were doing. And they were, I'm not going to mention the array they were using, just a real small, you know, cost-effective array. And I said, so once you've got everything migrated over to this cost-effective array, what happens to it once you bring it back in? And they said, well, we have a stack of them in the corner that we just kind of reuse. <laughs> and, and I said, well, so if you wanted to use all of those, like we got to the point where you're done with all of these and you want to use them, now you've got this full stack of, you know, little arrays that you got to manage independently and, you know, patch and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And they said, yeah, and I said, well, you know, vSAN, let's say for instance, you were to send out three vSAN nodes, you get everything moved over, and then when you're done with them and you want to reclaim them, you can easily just put those in your production cluster and they just kind of fall in line, right, as far as that goes. So it's, you know, it's it's like building blocks, like Legos, you know, if you will, uh, in many cases. And, then, yeah. uh, you know, and again, it's, it's so flexible, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, adding a bunch of disks, not adding a bunch of disks. Uh, we don't really necessarily talk about storage only nodes or, or compute only nodes, but we absolutely can now and even have from the beginning done that, you know, as far as that goes for the right use cases. And you can have flash, all flash clusters. Is that true? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and two node vSAN clusters as well, right? That's right. Now you do. Re- we do require witness uh, for that to work, right? Uh, basically, handling quorum, that type of thing. I uh, I've been running two node in the lab um, with a new feature that we introduced in November of 2016 called Direct Connect. Since probably May of 2016, when, when it was a hot fix, when one of our large customers said, "Hey, look, I've got." thousands of sites. I don't want to put 10 gig switches at all of these thousands of sites. Uh, if we look at the street price of just what the switching would cost, it was tens of millions of dollars to do that, right? And so what this customer uh, did with a little bit of a code fix that we rolled in for everybody ultimately in, in 6.5 and then essentially provided support for it with 6.0 update 3, um, which is vSAN 6.2. I know it gets a bit confusing sometimes, but um, with Tudo, they actually run, uh, in this particular customer, they run the witness on a, on a third host, a much, much smaller host, right, to provide quorum. So, uh, so it's a great fit. It's fast, you know, really depending on what type of hardware you, know, you use, but that's entirely up to you based on what your cost requirements are and what your use case requirements are. So the witness can't be just a VM on the two-node cluster, or can it? No, no you can't run it on top of the same because it's, Let's say, for instance, you had two node vSAN and then you had a witness running on top and it was, let's say you had FT protecting it. Yeah. You had a partition between the two. Well, which one is the owner, right? You know, right. Which one's the primary? So okay. we do require it to be uh, external to it. Now, you can run it in the same site if you want. You can run it across the WAN. Yeah. Um, I used to run my witness up in vCloud Air back when we had vCloud Air before it became OVH. Okay. And they took my account away as a marketing guy. Uh, 
But the interesting thing there is the, the, the connectivity requirements with a witness are not really that significant. It, it's really all dependent on how many objects you have on vSAN. But uh, I was noticing for, let's say, five to 10 VMs with a daily backup of uh, two of those VMs, um, I was seeing in general about um, 100 megs of RAM being used and maybe 150 uh, megahertz of CPU cycles being used. Hmm. You know, so it really wasn't much at all, you know, as far as that goes. Now, you know, different customers may see some different, you know, experiences depending on how many VMs they have and how often they do snaps and backups and that kind of thing. But the only real time that you need it, that the bulk of that bandwidth is when you're doing a failover from one node to another. Okay. And you're saying with a two node cluster, I can do direct connect between the two at 10 gig speeds. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I, I, when I went to try this out, I got on, and of course, you know, they, they give us a big budget for home labs, right? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, I went and got on eBay and I found some uh, Intel X520 uh, dual port 10 gig NICs that included cables for 75 bucks a piece. And I bought two of them. And I put them in these now seven-year-old hosts that I have and wired them up, dual 10 gig crossover. I've got both of the uh, uh, up, or both the 10 gig links being used for vSAN, and then I've got one being used for, uh, for vMotion. And it's, it's awesome. It's really, really cost-effective. Wow. And fast. Yeah. Of course, that doesn't work with three hosts because you can't do... No, no. Okay. Well, so, so not in any supported, but I've seen some people tinker with the daisy chain config that is not supposed to work, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so what, again, let's rehash. What's the latest version of eSAN? Uh, I think the latest, we've got a couple of patches for it as of late, uh, but it's 6.6.1. Okay. You know, 6.6 was released in April of... 2017, and then 6.6.1 was released toward the end of July in 2017. Uh, if you look at our history, we normally have about a about a six to nine month release tempo, right? Seems like yeah, uh, is one of the reasons why we have so many people in tech marketing, you know, because it's literally there's. I mean, that's one of the great things about vSAN too, especially you know with with us in TM being able to provide input is is um, um, and when I used to work for a customer, we had our own, own software and I was a, a service, kind of worked in a service provider. And, and a lot of times it was about, well, let's just get the feature out. Let's just get the feature out. Let's just get the feature out, right? Well, we do that here to a point, but we're constantly updating features, right? So a, a good example um, in, let's say, vSAN 6.2 um, or 6. I'll say 6.1, we had uh, what we called... Uh, Degraded device handling, I think, is the friendly name we call it, right? Where if a VM, you know, doesn't behave properly over a certain amount of time, we basically just, you know, we, we pull out a, a you know, we, we just blow it away, right? <laughs> then we've got to, uh, then we've got to rebuild the data that was on that disk. Well, uh, in 6.2, we got a little bit better about it. It's like, well, maybe it's misbehaving right now, but uh, let me watch it over like a, a longer period and see if it's really or if it's just an anomaly or whatever. So we were a little bit you know, more intelligent, but if it met the criteria where it wasn't performing right, you know, we'd take it out again. Well, in 6.6, we get to the point now with um, uh, degraded device handling version two, where what we do is we go and we say, 
hey, you're not behaving right. You know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to move all your data off while I think you're not behaving right. And then when I when you actually fail, then I'll unmount you and I'll bring you out. So we're, we're proactive. Now, you know, that's something that they added. They didn't have to, but it's a smarter way of doing it. And I'm sure our customers appreciate the fact that we're not making them do a rebuild if a device is going bad. We're trying to proactively do it. Yeah. You know, Another enhancement that we did uh, in 6.6 was before, if we had to replicate data to another location because we we're bringing a host offline or, or, or whatnot, if we're rebalancing or any of those type functions, before we had to have all the space available. So if I had a, let's say, a thin provisioned 100 gig VMDK that was consuming 40 gigs, if I didn't have 40 gigs to place it, I didn't move it. Whereas now we actually will carve it up into smaller pieces mm. and we'll move it right? You know, more efficient. At the same time, if I suffered a failure and I need to reprotect, um, previously, if we didn't have space to reprotect to, we wouldn't reprotect. Now we actually will partially reprotect, protect as much as we can. And then as more resources become available, protect the rest. Okay. I, I kind of liken that to, you know, I think about, uh, and you've probably experienced this too. What if you've been in an environment where you had some type of failure or something happened, something filled up that wasn't supposed to, and you said, oh crap, we've got to fix this. So you go and you delete some dev or test or other workloads that could be easily, re- you know, replaced or whatnot at a later time when they're needed, right? In that particular case, hey, I don't have enough space, but I'll repair as much as I can. And then you free that space up and now I can prepare the rest. So, I mean, we're really good about, about not just delivering features, but going in and ensuring that they're more efficient with each iteration. So that's, nice. that's a great thing about the, about uh, the vSAME group. Awesome. Yeah. So, and speaking of, you know, unexpected things, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, you know, say I'm a traditional SAN administrator and we're looking at, you know, moving to vSAN, mm-hmm. what sort of, you know, the traditional SAN admin might be used to his, flashing blue and you know red lights potentially on the front of the SAN. What sort of dashboards does vSAN have or tools to help us know that the vSAN cluster is healthy and help us know if something unexpected goes wrong, like a disk is bad? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, first and foremost, I'll say that all vSAN alerting is built into to vCenter. So the normal vCenter alerting process that you know you may have, whether it be just within vCenter from an alarm perspective or if you're sending out to to text, SMS, whatever, you know, all of those, all that's you know just an extension, you know, specifically on the vSAN side. Now um, <clears throat> from a dashboard perspective, well, let me back up. So in 6.0, we had um, 6.0, we didn't include initially a health check. Okay. Okay. In 6.1, we kind of, between 6.0 and 6.1, you could actually install a health check. It required some manual steps. We rolled that into the vCenter appliance um, later on, where you can literally have it automatically um, be part of the deployment, right? So it's, it's built in today. Now, with that being said, We've had a couple iterations of it, and it keeps getting better and better and better. You know, we go and we look at things like latency between nodes. We look at things like disk format um, consistency. If you're using vSAN encryption, we look at the disk generation ID and uh, KMS keys and, and all these other pieces, right? So we look at the overall health within that single dashboard. Uh, per cluster, I'll be honest and say that we don't have one dashboard for all your vSAN clusters if you have multiple, but it's a per cluster basis. Now, um, 
Before I move on from the health check, we've got to the point where we now have an online health check. If you choose to, uh, to use that, uh, you do have to have connectivity out to the web. Uh, it could be through a proxy, whatever. It really doesn't matter as far as that goes, but we can do online health checks. Now, the, oh. the good thing about the way that we're doing online health checks today is the fact that we can now include tests that did not ship with the product where we can look at some of the characteristics of your array. Let me give an example, or of your vSAN cluster. Let me give an example. Uh, we may see that you have this particular NIC. Well, there's a KB article that has come up as of this time, and you have this NIC, and maybe you need to go look at this KB article as it pertains to your environment, right? Whereas okay. somebody who had that NIC on their hosts may not show that. Right? Yeah. Example. Nice. Something else that we've done, and this is kind of not on the storage admin side, but I'll come back to that. So we added a thing. Um, um, I forget the, I always forget the external name for it. Uh, internally, we call it Humbug. And basically, what I can do is you can give me your vSAN UUID, or it's vSAN Support Insight, I think is what it's called. Um, you can give me the UUID of your cluster. And if you have CEIP, the Customer Experience Improvement Program, uh -huh. right? The, let me send data to VMware. Right. Box, you can uh, give me your UUID and I can look at your cluster. Now, I can't really see anything specific. Now, I mean, I can see that, hey, you've got you know, this type of NIC. I can see you get this much data. I can see you get deduplication and compression enabled and those types of things. Um, but I can't see what your host name is. I can't see okay. what your names are. Um, like I was talking with a customer a couple of weeks ago and we were looking at their data. And I said, well, you've got a host that's behaving a little bit funny. And, uh, and they said, well, what's the host name? And I said, well, it tells me it's Harry Potter or something <laughs> like that, you know? And they said, well, I don't have a host name, Harry Potter. Well, well, that's what it shows me because it doesn't allow me to see your data. Okay. As far as that goes. So I told them they had to go into vCenter and there's an obfuscation map. I always butcher that word. Yeah, me but too. Literally, literally, it's like a translation table where when I say Harry Potter, they know it's their host number one. Oh, okay. Nice. Right. So a lot of people, you know, people, some people get over rotated when it comes to sending data up to, you know, to us. Mm -hmm. But, you know, beyond the normal logging process, when you get a support ticket, that type of thing. Um, you know, we do collect some of that and see some of that, but we don't see anything specific. No IPs. We don't see like um, I was talking about fault domains, you know, uh, for a stretch cluster, you know, customer. And, uh, I said, well, your, you know, your fault domain is Burt Reynolds or something like that. And they're like, Burt Reynolds. <laughs> so hey, your, your preferred fault domain is Burt is Bert Reynolds is what I see. And then I had to walk them through the obfuscation map again. Okay. But it's, 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 cool. it's really cool. I mean, the first time I looked at it, I was like, damn, these people got some crazy named hosts and stuff. You know? Yeah. But no, it's, it's, we scramble it on purpose, right? Okay. But I learned really, something. I didn't know you all did that. So that's really oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's really, really good. I mean, obviously it gives us, a little bit more information that we can we can provide more proactive alerts. You know, let's say for instance, a large percentage of customers that have this exact config are running into an issue, then we can put a health check in place and dynamically make that available when a customer runs an online health check. And you Without, can better improve the product too, because you have some idea of the problems that people are having. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's an invaluable tool, and and you know you have to remember my background. I was in health insurance IT for a while. I was in financial IT for a while. Uh, I was in the National Guard for twenty four years, and nineteen of that I was in communications with servers and and uh, tactical com and all that other kind of stuff. And and data is valuable, right? But but 
the concern that everybody has specifically around, oh, you can see my stuff. Well, Burt Reynolds, Harry Potter, that doesn't do, <laughs> do a whole lot of good, you know? Right. Um, other than the fact that I see the generic, you know, type of information. Now, going a bit further, though, um, from a vSAN admin perspective, or from a former storage admin becoming a vSAN admin perspective, um, I'll say that going from 6.2 to 6.5 to 6.6, we've got even better when it comes to what's natively within the product as far as things like performance characteristics or performance reporting. At one point, we would just report like at the host level or at the cluster level, the host level, and at the VM level. Then we got a little bit further. We could actually show performance and latency at each individual VM you know, disk or vSAN object, if you will. But then we got even further and we can go and we can look at each individual disk within a disk group, a host as a whole, and so on. Hmm. As of 6.6, we can now actually look at the performance characteristics of a NIC, like a physical NIC or a VM kernel NIC. I mean, we can get very, very granular with each and every one of these when it comes to troubleshooting and having visibility into how the environment is, is uh, behaving. Going a bit further, um, I'm, not sure, I'm sure you're probably familiar with uh, Log Insight, right? Do you realize Log right. Insight? Yeah. So um, one of the great things now is vCenter comes with, what, 15 or 25 login site licenses, right, by default. Well, we've got native built-in vSAN-specific dashboards for login site that are part of the product. Out of the box, don't have to do anything, right? Um, the great thing about that is, is, is they're pre-created reports. You know, here's how many... Um, Let's say whether it be disk failure events or how many latency events or how many, you know, whatnot. I mean, literally all broken down. Um, I'm at a loss when it comes to looking at my Log Insight dashboard because, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with it. And I know what I'm doing and I've never had any events. So it looks like it's empty, you know, so it's, it's hard to do demos and that type of thing. But yeah. um, I will mention specifically for anybody that's running vSAN, um, one of the alerts that we do in the health check is a is a NTP consistency, time consistency across all the hosts, right? Mm -hmm. From a data perspective, it doesn't really affect anything. But it's really important when it comes to like log insight or even vRealize uh, operations, which we've got dashboards as well, in that it's kind of hard for me to look at a course of events from a root cause analysis, troubleshooting and whatnot, if my hosts have different times, right? So that's one of the reasons why we do that. But, but Log Insight, a lot of really, really in-depth reporting as far as that goes. You can actually do some alerts off of uh, Log Insight. If you want to look at overall trending as a whole over a longer amount of time, that's where vRealize Operations comes in. And, and we've got some dashboards now. I don't know if we've got necessarily like a, like a whole data center, you know, here are all your vSAN clusters and how they fit, but we will show each individual one of those. And, and show you know even more metrics that type of thing. So so from a storage admin you know perspective, like I was talking about LUNs a little bit earlier and file systems and whatnot. I was talking with a customer a couple of years ago, and the storage admins were like, "We don't want this. It's it's going to take our jobs away and so on and so forth." Right? Yeah. And I approached it from the perspective of being a former storage admin. Right? I said, uh, "How many how many tasks?" do you guys have open right now? And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, how many tasks do you guys have as far as uh, you know, performance um, troubleshooting or um, uh, you know, capacity growth or whatever? How many of those do you have? And, and you know, fair amount, so on. And I said, how many tickets do you have for creating lines or cloning a line or this, that, and other? And they said, quite a few, too. And I said, well, vSAN, you know, because everything's policy-based, 
I can go and I can change, you know, let's say for instance, an app owner says, I need uh, greater stripe width, or I need a cash reservation for this application or whatnot. You can let them apply a policy and do that on their own and get out of that whole LUN conversation, right? Where the storage admin before, you know, hey, I got a request and you need you to make a copy of this and I need you to change the strike width from, you know, let's say, uh, you know, 10 disks to 20 disks or whatever in that, in that aggregate or other. Well, then they've got to go in and they've got to make, do that, maybe move things off, move it over. Did that fix your problem? No, it didn't. Okay, we'll move it back, destroy that, try something else. It's, it's a pain. Yeah. VSAN, App owner, change the policy just to that one disk. If it doesn't fit, change it right back, right? That type of thing. And then I really kind of, you know, tried to you know, get the storage admins to understand that they're the ones that need to look at performance characteristics of, you know, of the entire environment. They're the ones that need to handle the capacity management. They're the ones that need to not work 90 hours a week doing this <laughs> little stuff like that and focus on the big stuff, maintaining the health of of vSAN and that type of thing. So it's, it's a different approach, honestly. Um, you know, you can, vSAN works really well with you realize automation. We've got a very, very robust API set, whether you're a power CLI person or Python or other. So if you want to tie into some other cloud management platform, you know, you can absolutely do that as well. Um, I mean, it's, it's really robust. And Alan Renouf and, and Jake Robinson and those guys have done a killer job of trying to get everything, you know, to a point where, you know, all of our APIs across all of our products that are just kind of, you know, merging, you know, at a central apex, right? It's getting there. Yeah. Um, so it's, I mean, it's, dude, I couldn't be happier. <laughs> so if you're a storage admin and you looked at vSAN quite a few years ago and you said, eh, I'm not sure if it has all the, the features I really need, um, then what I'm hearing is it's time to look again because you guys have really been innovating with a lot of new things. I mean, did I hear deduplication and compression? Yeah, yeah. That's so, in there. Um, so it's interesting, deduplication and compression. We do things a bit differently than, than traditional arrays, right, as far as that goes. Um, we actually dedupe and compress at the individual disk group level. Uh, keep in mind that each host can have between one and five disk groups. So each one of those would be a deduplication domain. Now, okay. um, that's probably not going to give us the, the same level of deduplication that we might see on a, one of the traditional arrays that you see a uh, you know ten to twenty or or whatever you know duplication mm -hmm. ratio. I'll be honest to say on my two node uh, vSAN that I have in the lab that I only have one disk group in. I got a twenty five x dedupe one time, but that's only because I only had disk two disk groups and I was only writing data to those, so it was it was easy for me to do that. Right. Uh, I think a lot of people go in, they hear deduplication and compression, they immediately think I'm going to get a 4x or a 5x or a 10x or something. Uh, we try to be conservative on the vSAN side. That being said, though, what if you run into some type of array bug or power failure or something that wipes the entire metadata table on a traditional array? All your data is lost. You know, I heard about a big customer that lost a couple thousand VMs uh, because of a particular bug. And in the process of doing that, it took them a couple of weeks to get all the data back. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, whereas vSAN, because we're deduping at an individual uh, disk group level, we, uh, you know, at, at that point, if we have any corruption, it's only in that disk group and the rest of our data is perfectly fine. Okay. Right? You know, um, fr from a feature set perspective, uh, we also added in 6.6 .6 encryption, uh, data encryption at rest. Mm -hmm. Just at the underlying disk, we're not really encrypting the VM itself. So if the VM were to move, 
the encryption is not going to follow it like we do do in uh, uh, VM encryption, right? With with uh, vSphere. But with that being said, it can be used with uh, all flash architectures or hybrid architectures. It really doesn't matter. So our customers who bought vSAN in the 1.0, 5.5 days and have upgraded and let's say had hardware that works on, on you know both versions, they don't have to buy anything else to be able to, to use encryption already. Now, deduplication and compression, we do require all flash hardware just because the way we do things, it's really, really more effective, more efficient, and meets the tolerances that we want to to adhere to with uh, with all flash. But um, the interesting thing from a cost perspective of vSAN, um, we've got a couple different editions, standard, advanced, enterprise. They all have different you know feature sets as far as that goes. Um, but we also have robo editions of each of those as well. You know, so let's say for instance, you, uh, you know, a buddy of mine works for a small engineering company and they've got like four sites and he was looking at vSAN and I said, well, you know, what's the cost? And he gave me like a hardware cost and he gave me a software cost and he was fine with the hardware cost because he knew we'd have to have it in each of the locations. And I said, but, but you you've priced out vSAN in a per C or a per CPU in each one of these sites. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, if you're only running about five VMs each in each site across four sites, if you looked at the Robo editions, same features, you just licensed by CPU or by, by VM rather, by powered on VM for that matter. Okay. And it's one cost, kind of like vSphere Robo, vSAN Robo. Um, and I said, on top of that, your, uh, your, I'll say your VMware virtual machines, and what I mean by VMware, VMware product VMs, like if you have any NSX VMs, you have Login Site, you know, VSA okay. things, those don't count toward that powered on VM. Oh, okay. And it's one cost. So 125 license back was perfect for him across four different sites. Nice. Now, if you only have two sites, you're running five VMs each, then Robo may not be the best license for you, but it's where you can do some math and in many cases have a much, much lower cost. We also work with uh, with uh, vSphere Essentials. Hmm. So if you have uh, the super low-priced vSphere Essentials and you want to run vSAN uh, on that, you absolutely can. We even add uh, vSphere Distributed Switching as part of the vSAN license, which is normally only an enterprise feature, right? Yeah. And the reason we do that is so you can use network I.O. control and you can really custom tailor. Like uh, I, want, I want, you know, 100 shares for my you know, vSAN traffic. I want 50 shares for my vMotion and then my VMs, I'll give them 30 and give management, you know, 20 or so. So you can get even more granular, you know. And then at the same time from a, from a we talked about working with the storage guys, right? We didn't really talk about working with the network guys. Well, we can, we can absolutely broadcast and receive uh, LLDP or CDP networking data when we're using the BDS. Hmm. It's also easier to troubleshoot and, and you know, I mean, I remember the days when I worked with my network guy and he would say, well, what do you need? I'm like, give me a trunk. Get, what do you need? Give me a trunk. No, I'm just going to carve up which VLAN. No, give me a trunk. <laughs> you know, whereas now with BDS and, and the fact that we can advertise LLDP and CDP data, both directions we can see what port we're connected to on the switch and they can see what we've got connected to it it's a great way to keep that conversation going between the network folks nice the virtualization nice. folks yeah dude i mean full featured full featured i mean uh iops limits you know which we kind of branded as quality of service i don't know if i'd really call it that um at one point we uh we had uh we we called uh we referred to it as rack awareness 
Okay. Which is really, it's just fault domains. There's no really intelligence to it. But like I was working with, um, with uh, one of our partners and they wanted to ensure that they only had one copy of data in this rack, one copy of data in this rack, or possibly this rack or this rack or this rack. And with fault domains, we can say literally only write to one copy here, one copy here. That way, if I lose this entire rack, I'm not completely down from a, from a data placement perspective. So very nice. A lot of flexibility, a lot of, and so much more stuff coming that I can't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we're running out of time. So let's go to the lightning round here. Okay. I got three quick questions for you. Um, is vSAN really used on a sub? So uh, I will say that uh, if I told you the, the details, I'd have to kill you. <laughs> um, but with that being said, we did do a, a VMworld session in VMworld 2017. Um, I think we, we make those available for anybody to really watch. So uh, you probably have to Google it to find it, but we did have a session where we talk about vSAN on a submarine. And the great thing about that is it's been a really good reference and use case for a lot of other maritime uh, type deployments. So absolutely, yes, we've got vSAN on a submarine. Very cool. All right, uh, next question. What are the si what's the size of those tires on your Jeep? Those cool, <laughs> those cool Jeep pictures you keep posting, those well, tires, they look really awesome. And I wanna know well, what size they are. So, uh, for the, for the uh, for those that aren't initiated to the the off road culture, I would say thirty fives. Thirty fives. Well, okay. Technically, they're thirty uh, three fifteen seventy R 17s which is actually a thirty four point six inch tire. Ah, okay, okay, so, very cool. And then, last question: If somebody wants to learn more about vSAN, what do you recommend? Like hands on labs. What, couple what different places that I would recommend. You mentioned the hands on labs. Uh, great thing about hands on labs is you can spin up a vSAN environment, not necessarily follow the directions and kind of tinker with it and play with it. That's a great, uh, great opportunity there. Uh, I would also say from a kind of what's new, what's cool, what's happening with vSAN, I recommend going to virtualblocks.com. That'll actually redirect you to the blogs that VMware.com slash virtualblocks site, which is okay. contains. And then for uh, vSAN documentation and kind of, you know, figuring out how, let's say, encryption works or, or whatnot, two sites I would recommend, docs.vmware.com, which is our normal admin guide type stuff, resides, and then also storagehub.vmware.com, which uh, TM and our Octo team, you know, Duncan Epping, Cormac Hogan, Patio Reardon, those guys contribute there, uh, as well as some of our product enablement guys, Dave Marrera. Um, great white tech. A lot of people know him, that type of thing. Uh, we've got some click-through demos where you can kind of be guided. And okay, yeah, I've seen those. Those are nice. Uh, as well as some, some videos. I do a real cool video on configuration assist where we actually go and update the firmware on uh, some hosts that I have all through the vCenter UI, uh, that type of thing. So storage hub, hands-on labs, um, virtual blocks, really good places to start. You can hit me up on Twitter, Jace McCarty. It's really easy. Just first name, last name, all run together. I don't use my Obi-Wan McCarty much. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that on the podcast. Yeah. Obi-Wan McCarty. Yeah. Make sure yeah, you follow yeah. that too. Matt Calger gave me that name uh, years ago, just from time management. So uh, <laughs> he thought I was actually up to speed on my time management, but, but you know, but Hey, <laughs> Well, awesome, Jace. This has been really cool. I learned a lot personally about vSAN. Um, I really need to start playing with it more in my home lab. Uh, and I encourage everybody out there to check out the VMware Hands-On Labs. 
Let me say one more thing then yeah. before you go too far while you're on the topic of, of Homelab. I yeah. highly, highly recommend that you look at our VMware competitor or vSAN compatibility guide, right? Okay. Uh, I think, and I'm going to call you out here, David. I know that you had an issue where you lost a disk <laughs> and then you lost a host, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, if you uh, if you follow Virtual Hobbit on Twitter, a guy by the name of Mark Brookfield, uh-huh. uh, he works for us out of uh, the Netherlands. He was using some consumer drives and he ran into a couple situations where they didn't uh, they didn't have power loss protection. Oh. So I do recommend that you have at a minimum, you know, I'll say enterprise drives to a point. Right. Okay. As as that goes. I will say in my lab, I've got some S3700, 200 gig drives that are my cache drives, which do have power loss protection. But my uh, my capacity drives are just consumer-based drives, and then I actually have a supported card. So the VCG does matter when it comes to vSAN. So okay. Some people, like Mark as an example, you know, were using consumer-based drives, had some problems, and, and swore off, you know, vSAN is the devil, and I mean, you know, that type of thing. But but once he got to the point where he was familiar with VCG and used some, some enterprise uh, stuff, then it was more smooth sailing. Okay. Good just, tip. Just a tip. <laughs> good tip. Yeah, good recommendation. All right. Well, this has been awesome, Jace. Thanks so much for your time today. I really enjoyed it. Learned a lot about vSAN. Look forward to talking to you more about vSAN next time. Looking forward to it. Thanks.